tonight I want to talk about, uh, I don't even know if it, I have a title, um, maybe being present in the world, but it's it's been, a, I came up with this because there's a, just been a confluence of things over the last week or so. Uh, today is the third anniversary of George Floyd's murder. And I um, attended this webinar with, um, from it was, it was happening at Kripalu, if you know, that's a like a retreat place back in the, in Massachusetts, and it was a um, there was a retreat of um, I think uh, black men this week, but this last piece was open to anyone, and there were uh, black male identified teachers. And um, they, so they were kind of talking about this and, and uh, offering meditation. And so that got me thinking about that. And they're teachers I really respect a lot. And so I found it really moving and um, important to remember and um, have that as part of awareness. And then um, this morning, I went to uh, what's called Giants of Justice. I'm on the board of this um, nonprofit, and we uh, work with um, labor in their fight for um, economic dignity and justice. And so once a year, we have this Giants of Justice where we celebrate people who have done amazing work in organizing and working with labor and getting things done. And uh, so that was this morning. So that's always an incredibly inspiring event where you see all these folks doing things. And I got to sit at a table with the Reverend James Lawson, who you've, you may have heard me talk about. He was with, um, he taught nonviolence to like Martin Luther King and, and John Lewis. I mean, he was there back in the day. He, he was in India and studied um, nonviolence, um, Gandhian nonviolence, and then brought it back to the, to um the U.S. and Martin Luther King asked him to come down to the South and he moved to Nashville and the rest is history. And so I got to sit with him at a table. He's like 96, I think. Um, and then two days ago, I had a conversation with someone about engaged Buddhism. Um, she was asking me, uh, which is a, a term coined by Thich Nhat Hanh, who is very active in um, you know, the anti-war movement. He was a Vietnamese monk and he was banished from Vietnam for his work about uh, against the war and really quite um, so that that she was talking to me about that and then I also I think I might mentioned I got to meet uh, sit with Bhikkhu Bodhi a couple of weeks ago who I love and who is also very very adamant about Buddhists getting off the cushion and out into the world so all of this has been kind of in the stew these um, few days and weeks and plus all the the stuff that's going on with the, the you know in Florida and the uh, anti-black um, stuff that's happening and the anti-gay and and just you know I don't have to I don't have to um, delineate it and so um, one of the things that um, I was talking Bhikkhu Bodhi mentioned when I was talking to him after his talk a couple of weeks ago was his work in this area and he said sometimes he um, wonders about talking about it and he gets a little nervous about talking about it in classes because people get annoyed with him and tell him to stop being political 
And I've had that people, I had somebody in a class once when I was talking about this type of thing, get up and say, I didn't come here for politics. And I thought that was interesting because it's not political. This is not political. It's about um, taking care of each other. It's about not causing harm, which is the root of the Buddhist teachings. And Reggie Hubbard, who is one of the teachers today, said, if your offerings, when you're talking about teaching, if your offerings don't speak to the cries of the people, then what are you doing? What are you doing? Otherwise, it's just a, a, a process of sitting and, you know, doing your own um you know, practicing for your own benefit, which is great because we need to practice and we need to awaken and we need to see clearly and we need to cultivate this compassion for all beings. That's incredibly important, but it just doesn't stop with us. It's something that we have to carry out into the world. Incredibly important. Um, and so I, a few years ago, about maybe 10 so years ago, I, 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 set the intention to make sure that my teachings were relevant, that they did bring in the outside world. There's no distinction inside outside. It's all the world. We, it's easy for us to compartmentalize and sometimes we like to do that so we can separate. But this is, this is a, the spiritual foundation of being in the world. I, I think one it's also rubs off on me because this board that I'm on is an interfaith board. So I get to hear rabbis and Muslims and, and Christians all talking about these things using very similar vocabulary to Buddhism and using it as a, as a, as a, a, a jumping off point for their work in the world. Um, so it's an important question, you know, and I was looking at um, this book, called The Buddhist Teachings on Social and Communal Harmony, which Bhikkhu Bodhi um, put together. It's an anthology of discourses from the, from the Pali Canon, but it's on how to, the Buddhist teachings on social and community harmony. And it's a collection of suttas touching on these, these kinds of points that I was talking about. Um, when the Buddha was alive, when he's Siddhartha Gautama, and then when he was awakened and became the Buddha, he the the world he lived in was a it was a caste society. I don't think it was as structured as it is now, but it was there were people the haves. You were born into the haves, and you were a have until the day you died, and you were born into the have-nots. And there was no way out of that. And then if you were outside the caste system, you were even worse than that. And so it was like this, this you were born, um, if, you weren't, if you weren't born into the upper caste, you were in a dead end. You were, you were garbage. And so um, it, that, that was part of when the Buddha was living. There were kingdoms in, in war against each other, fighting for power. Nothing's changed there. Philosophers and sages were, you know, they were running around saying, no, my belief is better. No, my belief is better. No, my belief is better. And it's like, I don't think that's changed much either, except people may be dressing differently and they're using different media for communication and different, they wear different clothes, but that's still going on. Um, 
you know, even though people wanted peace, the, the, there's some suttas that talk about this, that people wanted peace, they were still embroiled in hatred and enmity. This is where the Buddha talks about, you know, the root of all these, the, the, the horror in the world is greed. I know you're all familiar with that. Hatred. There's a lot of that around and delusion. I talked about that in my talk last week was delusion. People just really being blind to what's going on, to not seeing their own um, experience, not seeing how they are biased in the world. We live in a, in a, in a racist society, a white supremacist society, but we don't, people, so many people don't see it because it's like, they're not impacted by it. They don't think so. Um, the Buddha was in this this kind of world too, and there's this great little there's this great poem from one of the suttas. The Buddha talking about um, fear, and he said, "Fear has arisen from one um, fear has fear has arisen from one who has taken up violence. Behold the people engaged in strife. I will tell you my sense of urgency. How I was stirred by a sense of urgency." Having seen people trembling like fish in a brook with little water, when I saw them hostile to one another, fear came upon me. This is a Buddha. The world was insubstantial all around. All directions were in turmoil. Desiring an abode for myself, I did not see any place unoccupied. So he looked around and he saw this world that was in turmoil. And... Um, so what he then did was moved in this 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 path of ending harm, ending this vying for power, ending this um, turmoil, and creating a world in which we lived in harmony with each other. And the Buddha's enlightenment was part of this, seeing the nature of suffering, seeing the nature of greed and hatred and, and ignorance. and um, offering us a path to end suffering and cultivate and culminate in nirvana or nirvana, this, this freedom from all attachment to anything, not needing anything. Um, but, um, and the Buddha, he, he strove to bring harmony through tolerance and kindness um, and he created what's called the fourfold community, which are the community of monks and nuns, but also lay people, men and women. It's not everyone followed his path to, um, to become a monastic, to give up their lives in the world. Plus, you need people in the world if, um, to, to grow the crops and do all the things that need to be done to support monastics. So you have this broad community and the Buddha... Um, had this 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 path of of as I said tolerance and kindness for all. There's a, a also in in this book, he talks about um, the Buddhist teachings um, gave rise to a broad ethic that applied not only to individual conduct but to the relations between people living under diverse, circum diverse conditions, whether in monasteries or at home, whether pursuing their livelihoods in the marketplace or workshop or in the service of the state. Under all these circumstances, the chief ethical requirement was the avoidance of harm. 
harm through aggression, harm by trampling on the claims of others, harm through conflict and violence. The ideal was to promote goodwill and harmony in action, speech, and thought. So these, going back to the teachings of the Buddha, are the roots, the foundation. Uh, this is Buddha's call to action. You can't just sit there and do this for yourself, but you have to do it for all. In fact, the Metta Sutta says all beings, omitting none. It would be nice if we got to pick and choose. Well, I don't like that person and I don't like that person. But, you know, the Raja Sutta, which is one of my favorites, talks about um, how um, the king and the king's wife, Pasanadi, um, were telling the Buddha that they had a conversation or the king was telling the Buddha that he and his wife had a conversation when the king asked his wife, who's most dear to you? And, and she said, I am meaning that she held herself in great esteem. And the Buddha said, yes, we all do. We all care deeply. We all cherish life. Every being does. And therefore, we treat each other as we would treat ourselves. I mean, that's isn't that the golden rule? Isn't that, that sounds like Jesus said something like that too. So, you know, it's like we treat others as we want to be treated. That, not, and we don't, and then, excuse me, there's also the idea of this interconnectedness. We are not individual units just living in our loan. We are absolutely connected to each other. What is it? We're all stardust, right? So we go way back together. We go way back. Ancestry.com does not go that far back, but we are all connected. And so to these false differences, this, this othering, if you sit and you look at the othering we do, you can trace it back to usually economic um, economics. Somewhere along the line, economics um, played a part in saying, I'm going to take over. You're, I'm going to deem you um, unworthy or less than or primitive or savage and therefore I can take over. I think it was, I can't, what was it? Um, it was the Pope, which I can't remember which Pope it was, like in the 14 or 1500s said, I, and it was some doctrine that was just rescinded or apologized for recently, like this year, I can't even remember what it was, saying that, hey y'all, you can go out in any land you go to, you can take over. The Pope said, go for it, go, go forth and conquer the world. And, um, and that's that, that that was the age of, of of colonizers and you know we're still feeling the ramifications of that and it's because people said so i said so therefore you can do it so that's pardon me bullshit but it was economics that drove that and so we have to you know disentangle ourselves from these centuries and centuries and centuries of causing harm and i um I'm deeply grateful to this Buddhist practice for giving me a foundation, an ethical foundation, a, a moral foundation, ethical moral foundation saying, no, dude, that's not right. You can't do that, which connects with so many other foundations of faith and, um, and has given me a voice.
wise speech says not just don't lie but say what needs to be said say what needs to be said Bhikkhu Bodhi um, in one of, one, one of my favorite passages he wrote an article in Buddha Dharma and I've read this many times so thank you for your, 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 your kind patience in listening to this he says it's true that Buddhist meditation practice requires seclusion and inwardly focused depth but wouldn't the embodiment of Dharma in the world be more complete by also reaching out and addressing the grinding miseries that are ailing humanity? The special challenge facing Buddhism in our age is to stand up as an advocate for justice in the world, a voice of conscience for those victims of social, economic, and political injustice who cannot stand up and speak for themselves. This, in my view, is a deeply moral challenge marking a watershed in the modern expression of Buddhism. I believe it also points in a direction that Buddhism should take if it is to share in the Buddha's ongoing mission to humanity. The ongoing mission to humanity that the Buddha talked about in the suttas, this equity, this non-harming, it's promoting of goodwill and harmony in action, speech, and thought towards all. Busting up that idea of difference and separation and saying, no, we all get to do this. And Charles Johnson, an author and a Buddhist and a writer, said, right conduct is tra- right conduct translates dharma into specific actions of social responsibility. I like that specific actions of social responsibility. So it doesn't tell you what those actions should be. It doesn't tell you where you should do this. You, I think whatever you do, do something. I, and I, I know you all do. I know you all care. Um, I know you all have a, a, a real dedication to um, this harmony, this tolerance, this this ending of injustice, um, because um, I just know you do. And so find out for yourself where your um, interest, abilities, time lie. And, you know, it's we all are different people. We all have different capacities. And we can all do different things. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to look like anything other than you um, taking care of somebody else in some way, shape, or form. I mean, um, anyway, it's volunteering at a food bank, um, picking up trash, whatever. It's um, how are you getting out of yourself and helping to make the world a nicer place um, there's a there's a line from the Torah, I think it is, that says, I, and I'm totally paraphrasing, just because I'm, I, I, even though I know the miseries of the world will not be ended in my lifetime does not take me off the hook. I still get to do the work. And I love that. I just, I just love that. So I invite you to find in your own hearts how you can work for this, um, um, equity and um, 
uh, harmony and kindness for all beings. And part of the work is seeing where you are stuck. Part of the work is seeing where you're blind. I, I think I talked about that again also last week, this delusion of not seeing things because we're so caught up in, in these preconceived notions and ideas and to be willing to let go of those preconceived ideas and say, oh yeah, yeah, dad, yeah, yeah, I have that, that tendency. Oh yeah, I live in a society that promulgates these ideas, so how can I not be impacted by them? And let me disengage and, and break out of that belief system to, in order to live in a different way. So that's the invitation. That's the call to action. And um, as you do this, be kind to yourself. You know, it's not about judgment of yourself. It's not about shame. It's about let's make this a better world for all beings because we don't just practice for ourselves. We practice for the benefit of all. So thank you, my friends, for your kind attention. And I hope this has been of some benefit. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.